is it that when you're in that state that you said that you just described where you just felt like that you could fling paint around presumably it wasn't just that you liked the feeling of doing that you liked the end result of it as well Hello and welcome to this week's Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. And last week I wasn't here, so I had the pleasure of listening to your conversation with Mariana about branding. It's lovely to get back and have something to to listen to. Um, I've been sunning myself away very nice it was I, very nice it I was, haven't <laughs> it was kind of worth all the ha- no it was worth all the hassle there was a lot of hassle but it was worth it and all I can say is bloody hell it just shows you how much everybody needs a holiday <laughs> you haven't had one find something because it's just like honestly changing things uh anyway back to reality back to cold wet England January getting our tax returns done and heaps of paperwork and finding good things to look forward to in the year ahead too so we've got an interesting um topic this week raised by a question that came up in a group about intuitive painting so we're going to have a just discussion around that but other than that then so what have you been working on this week or is it too early in the year to talk about that yet no I have been finishing a few paintings just before Christmas I went away very different to your trip away I went back to the North York Moors to do some painting drawing idea gathering for my work for my exhibition and um so I was at in the North York Moors which is a big a big area of moorland but it's right also on the coast on the east coast so I spent some time by the coast and one particularly uh, beautiful walk at Runswick Bay for anyone who knows Runswick Bay it's actually my favorite of all the little towns on the coast up here and um, they have a lovely sandy beach and Riley and I were on it at 4 p.m as the sun went down or like about half past three towards four o'clock the most stunning sunset I have ever seen in my life it was like a painting unfolding and after we finished our walk we sat I sat on a bench and just watched the last of it and but the worst thing was Second time I've been out to this area in the last few months. Second time I've lost my phone while oh, I was no. in that area. So I couldn't take any pictures of this amazing sunset. And it was a real reminder of our old lives when we had to remember things. Because I was like, I want to take a picture. I want to take a picture. It doesn't matter, Louise, you've got a picture in your head. Yeah, but I don't want to take a picture. Um, anyway, so lots of inspiration came from that. And so this week... We talked, I think, a few weeks ago about how fast we could do some paintings if we really yes. put our minds yeah. to it. So I had two, I finished four paintings in two weeks. So yeah. I started six and four of them I fit, I've managed to finish in two weeks. And I've had quite a bit of painting time. So I feel good about that. That's four new pieces for the exhibition. Um, and there, what was interesting about those was I think it might have come from the sunset. I wanted, different colors come I wanted to bring different colors in these are the ones that have got more slightly more vibrant colors in more yes they are they're they're more um because I the way I did it was I thought how can I bring in different colors without being self-conscious this goes to our topic we're going to talk about so I went to my I've got a 
draw a, a little chest of drawers, a little metal chest of drawers with paint tubes in it of colours I never use, uh, old paints. And I went and pulled out some colours from there that I don't normally use. And one of them was phthalo green. I had a tube of phthalo green, which I never use. And uh, a red that I don't normally use. And anyway, that just changed everything because the colors I was mixing obviously were different and so it brought new life so while it has nothing to do with that sunset I kind of think it does because all the colors of that sunset made me want to shake things up but I didn't want to try and paint a sunset because I could never paint anything that would even vaguely come close to what I experienced um so yeah so the paintings I'm making now are quite spring-like even though it's dire and gray and raining and snowing and raining here um the paintings feel really bright and spring-like so I'm enjoying that I always think it's fascinating how your surroundings influence your color choices and I think you know in the I mean you only have to look at you know look at painting painters like Constable and you know it's so English you know you know greeny browns and all those muted colors and then but you do get you know things sunsets sunsets they're one of those fascinating things aren't they because they're so incredible we had one while we were away and it literally looked like the sky was on fire um but it doesn't really ever work the same way in photographs it changes so so quickly but I just gives that little injection of oh yeah I want something of that in there I love working with different just new colors and if I'm trying to get my head around a colour course, but one of the issues that I've got for it is, you know, how not to overwhelm people with a buying list of colours to buy so that it becomes really expensive. Um, Because I don't think you need lots and lots and lots of different colours, but I think shaking it up like that with ones that really twist things uh, is, is a good thing to do every now and again. Question, though, for you. Those ones that have been done now with different, if you like, root colours, how, how do you feel that those will sit alongside your existing ones? Or have you got a different place? I don't know. <laughs> don't know yet. <laughs> Love it. I don't know. What's interesting is it, it, with this exhibition, they prefer to hang the exhibitions. So they prefer you to bring your work and leave it. And yeah. they have a team of people who do the hanging and they do all the labelling and everything. And she did say, well, you can be here if you want to, but we prefer if we set it all up. And I I think I'm going to just say, no, yeah, you set it up. And then I'll just see what they do, because there are very much differences. There's differences in, well, I think in style and there's differences in, you know, subject. They're all about the landscape, but in different ways. And I don't know how you would make all these work together. So I'm just going to say, here you go, do what you want. nice to have somebody's input like that a little bit at the end make it kind of surprising and fresh for you as well it'll be interesting if I think when I walk in I'll feel like oh yeah love that oh no not that yeah but it'll be too late because they'll have hung it also yeah yeah (laughs) oh that sounds like a good couple of weeks a good apart from your holiday yeah well I only got back at kind of you know midnight yesterday so it was um PCR forms and collecting the dog and we had um first kickoff call in the membership um yesterday so just starting to um just to think about the year really and um you know what's coming up on that that's it 
haven't I noticed you, you did your membership call and I heard some of it yesterday and you were talking about planning for the year you've done like three calls about that and this was the third one and that you were talking about um wanting to make it I don't know if you said easier but you said more restful or something and I thought that's so interesting because in my planner normally I write out this page of all my goals and things for the year and it's like my like my vision board where I just write all the wild dreams yeah and I didn't have any I wrote things like space peace calm you know I didn't I didn't write any big objectives and I keep thinking the big objectives will come but actually we might be trying to go on the same trajectory this year where we're trying to just make some more some more room for things. I think it's just clarifying things, isn't it? And perhaps when you're, I certainly feel that looking back through earlier years of planning uh, and what I did, there were more, there were more defined objectives. So there were things that I had to do, you know, had to get, you know, website sorted. I had to learn how to do all of those kind of things, mailing all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had to get those underway. And so it was easier to have a, a, a focus and a goal around those kind of things. Now, when I look back at what I planned for last year, and I think last year at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2021, we were in lockdown for the first part of it. So you couldn't plan anything basically because you didn't know what was going to happen or when things were going to open up again. But a lot that was on my, you know, this would be great list just didn't happen. And the year was just seemed to go very quickly and just sort of get taken up with things that needed doing. So I suppose my conscious at the moment is more about not getting sucked into things unconsciously, just being clearer about what I'm letting in, what I really, you know, want to happen, which is not a huge amount probably. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a kind of refocusing rather than expanding and uh, you know one year one year i had the word um scale you know and it related to business and work literally painting scalings but you know also mentally scaling and now i feel very much that we're on a kind of refocus trajectory so yeah similar perhaps but we'll see i don't know i haven't quite got it all nailed yet and i think that's the other thing that's different perhaps for all of us is that you know, usually I do quite like having something quite fixed. Maybe the last two years has taught us can't work like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's hard to work like that because then you plan for things and they don't happen. Yeah. So exactly. there's a degree of flexibility to be brought into it as well, which I think is um, probably, probably good for us, but also something to learn to manage. Okay, so what we're going to talk about this week is the idea of intuitive painting. And this was uh, prompted by a discussion that I saw uh, happen in one of my groups where um, somebody commented that it often seems that intuitive painting results in work that looks samey, like work by a lot of other artists and unresolved. Any thoughts? I haven't tried the intuitive way myself. I'm planning to give it a go despite my doubts. And I just thought that it was an interesting conversation. I haven't been very much on my phone at all while I was away. So I didn't really get um, 
uh, pulled into it. But I did when we were just setting up the time for the day, I messaged Louise and I said, what about talking about this? And she said, yes. And she has done some research. Very little. Very little. A little bit of a discussion about it. What's your instinctive reaction or your instinctive understanding of intuitive painting? Because when I saw that, the, the comment that I wrote was, actually, I really don't like um, that expression because I feel that intuition is something, intuition is something that you do without conscious thought. But actually what happens when you learn something is what starts off being conscious becomes a little bit more automatic and intuitive. So ultimately, I think all painting is intuitive. When I paint, I paint intuitively that because I I instinctively go to what colour feels to be right in certain areas. But I don't think that's the same thing as intuitive painting. No, uh, when I looked it up, because I've used this phrase intuitive painting a lot, and it's something I'm interested in pursuing a lot further. And this will go to the difference between us, I think, because I very much am like a bit woo-woo, I suppose, in that way, and, and believe in intuition as the ultimate decision-making guide. And I think I think you're more thoughtful and analytical about how to decide things. But when I looked it up, what I found out was that intuitive painting in the purest sense of the word, and this definition seems to be fairly general, is more like what I think of as process painting. And there's a guy called Stuart Cubby, I believe, who teaches process painting and he has a podcast. Um, and, And process painting, my understanding, sorry if I get this wrong, is that you you paint just whatever you feel like without any desire to make it something that looks nice or that means anything. It's just for you to allow things to flow through you and for you to get the feeling of pure creative expression without any reason for anyone else to ever look at it. So in the process painting workshops, nobody looks at each other's work. Nobody offers feedback. You're encouraged to just paint for the sake of painting. So that is that is very different from making art. You're not mm. making art. You do you're doing it for the process. Yeah. Um and for the enjoyment. And when I looked up intuitive painting, I came to see that I, I think there's a difference. So what we're talking about, and both of us when we talk about intuition in painting, is using our intuition when we paint versus purely intuitive painting. It's two different things. Yeah. So, so here's a definition that I found. So this is from an artist called Cheryl Bannon. CherylBannon.com. The link will be in the web in the show notes. I don't know this artist, so it's just that I like the description. She says intuitive art is a spiritual connected art process that allows the art to lead the way as images form through the layers of paint and a variety of other media. Intuitive art is a process of creating art using an inner awareness that is heart-centered and does not rely on analysis or head-based questions. It's a way of creating that's about connecting into your emotions and responding to what feels right. There is no reason in the decision, but a space inside that guides you to choose this instead of that. Mm. So that part, there is no reason, but there's a space inside that guides you. And she also said intuition is a child reaching for the red crayon rather than the blue. 
I think that happens. That mm. happens all the time in painting. Because, you know, if you stop to make a decision about everything, it would take take you forever wouldn't it so I think we just we do do things intuitively whether you call that making decisions intuitively you're responding intuitively to it but I'm responding intuitively to a visual sense of what the painting is and how I feel about it in terms of feel about what the painting needs or what kind of mark I want to make next or looking for a variety from big to small and all of those different things that you can put into a painting. But I am still triggered by the visual sense of the painting because mm. art is a visual art is a visual thing. That's how we look at it. How do we respond? Otherwise, Basically, almost what you're saying is, and this this could be great fun, blindfold yourself and paint and feel the paint. That's what you're talking about if you're not responding visually at all. You're, you're literally talking about, and there is an artist um, here. Let me find it. And it, it was found, for, I've, I've spoken before about this lovely bookshop opposite Tate Modern, where they just have a whole load of remaindered art books and some are really expensive and some are really cheap. And I got this there um, and it's a whole book by an artist called Robert Morris and it's called Blind Time Drawings. And lots of them are drawings that he does at night in the dark with charcoal on paper. So he literally, he can't see anything. That for me is quite intuitive, but we still have a sense at the end of how we're looking at it visually. Yeah, I think this is the this is the difference as I'm as between intuitive or process painting and what we do, because we're responding to it visually with a sense of is this going to look good at the end as communicate what I want to communicate, look the way I want it to look, be beautiful, whatever it is our aims are. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm thinking that this this person's version of intuitive painting is it did what I did what I just did feel like what it should feel like. Yeah. The way it looks at the end, and maybe this goes back to the question we were asked at the beginning where things look unresolved. The way it looks at the end is not the point yeah it's irrelevant yeah so therefore did it express what I was trying to express and I'm really interested in that because I did a master class with Sally Ann Ashley so link will be in the show notes again Sally Ann Ashley is a a painter mixed media artist from uh, down the south of the UK and she she calls herself an intuitive painter And so we did a masterclass in my group on what is intuitive painting. And what was fascinating was she does now work intuitively. But she, like you said, she has this vast bank of not only a good design background, but a vast bank of knowledge about herself and her own preferences that she's built up over many years Mm -hmm. so she actually keeps journals where she makes marks that are come if a mark is coming through in her work a lot she notes it in her art journal and investigates what it might be about she really digs into and this this goes back to when I was a child or this you know and so she's developed this whole language of things that happen 
But one of the things I noticed talking to her that's different from me is that she really, I would call it radical self-acceptance. So if something comes out in her work that is ugly, that she would call ugly, she will still say, okay, that's there for a reason. So I'm not going to get rid of it. She might not use that, that in a, so let's say it's a collage piece. She might not use it right away, but she wouldn't get rid of it. I think I get rid of things when I really think they're ugly. And I, it struck me talking to her that there's this sense of accepting all of yourself in that kind of art, which I would really like to get more of into my painting because it gives her work maybe what this person would call an unfinished feel. And if you go look at her website, I'm not talking about her large paintings. She's got some smaller collage pieces and things that are really uh, more what we were discussing. But somebody might look at those and say they look very rough and raw. I look at them and think they look really honest. Yeah. And there's something. And there's a lot of there is a lot of, as you say, a lot of thinking and understanding um, behind her work as she was in this group that we did over the summer and we were all talking about that kind of stuff and you know asking ourselves these questions yeah um what's important to you to pull into your work now and how are you responding to what what you're doing in it yeah So, so so I would say again she's using intuition to paint rather than this idea of intuitive painting and we don't know which which one our questioner was referring to when she said intuitive painting because I think it gets thrown around a lot yeah I mean sorry go on it goes it goes back doesn't it to you know ultimately all of these things there is a sort of continuum (laughs) and it's where you where you feel comfortable at the moment on that line Mm. like you say if you're drawn to it to investigate it to you know to test that out for yourself to unresolve things a bit and I know for me at one stage that there was a stage in my pages where I felt you know these are these are too resolved they're too sorted out for me and I consciously had to pull back from that Mm. to not finish things to not adjust things tidy things up make things balanced but that's also now from a number a good number of years painting and as you say a design background where I've got a sense of balance kind of quite instinctively so I think you do need to have if you want to have something that is a visual outcome it goes back to your reasons for painting in the first place basically doesn't it which is why we're talking about you know Mm. and you always talk about a lot what are your reasons why and I think for any artist we have a number of different reasons why at some point you have a reason why it might be because you're working for a show or they've got to hang together or because you want a group of work that hangs together. At other times we do work that has no judged outcome, you know, and we do it purely for the process, for the intuition. You know, I have work that I do and it goes nowhere. I do it just for a purely fun day. It's an ugly effing mess at the end of the day. You know, it was good fun, but I don't want to show it to people. And at the time, I don't feel that it informs my work in any way. But I know that it does at some point later down the line. When you have days working like that, ultimately, sometimes some of it comes into you because there was something that pulled you to do that in the first place. 
Yes. So I think maybe we just have to be careful about where we put ourselves in boxes in these lines about whether I'm an intuitive artist or not intuitive artist. And I know sometimes we needle about the wording and I find that, you know, fascinating actually, because again, you know, we think words are definitive, but actually they do have very different and individual meanings. Yeah. So, yes. The thing I was thinking about was when I work with an idea and I generally do have an idea, like some kind of concept, like I've got ideas coming for new things and they're already fully formed ideas. But, but when I, with the Ted Hughes project, where I got stuck and I wrote about this in the book for about a year was trying to do the trying to execute the idea. And when I got so frustrated and upset that it wasn't working and just started to throw some paint around, literally feeling like just F this, everybody, I cannot do this. I'm just going to fling paint around about I don't know how many it was but four or five things all started to like make sense and show me things and I and I suddenly had this rush of energy so there's a balance there somewhere between I know for myself that certainly and I've said this loads of times thinking gets in my way so much and also in life every bad decision I've made has come from thinking too much (laughs) And every good one has come from just a positive, fizzy feeling of do that, um, which came from nowhere and which I can't explain. And I do feel like to get a bit more spiritual, there is something, call it source or call it God or call it the universe or call it whatever. Flow. Flow. There's something bigger than us. And we talked a few weeks ago about watching Paul McCartney write get back on the Beatles documentary and how it just kind of came through while he wasn't even trying. That is that feeling that you sometimes get. And I do feel like if I could find more of the balance away from thinking and towards that, it would be easier. It would be more fun. And I would make things that I'm more excited about. So whenever I let that come through, but saying let it come through makes it sound like it's something you can control. And so far I can't because a lot of the time I'm stifling it. And so when we're thinking and judging and making, as you said, resolving our paintings, we, like you said, we can do it too much. And, and in doing that, I think we're pushing down this bigger thing. We're saying, I'm great. I know what to do. I, I've learned all this stuff. I know where things go on a painting. I know the right colors to use. And, and source is going, uh, hello. No, you don't. I've got all these better ideas for you, but where, no, I know what to do. I'm going to impose myself on this. And I, this is all very personal because I'm not saying anyone else should do this, but, but for me, I want to get more of that through in this coming year that'll be my big goal to start letting more of that through and the thing that stops me is this desire to make paintings that everybody likes that's always in the background desire to make paintings that everybody likes or that you like somebody likes no some that that, no things that things that people will like yeah yeah rather than things that I might look at and think that's a bit ugly, but I like it. I don't want those things going out into the world yet. 
And is that goes back to the self-acceptance. Ah, you see, I think that that looks a bit ugly, but I like it. Do you think that looks a bit ugly that I like it? Or is it that when you're in that state that you said that you just described where you just felt like that you could fling paint around? Presumably, it wasn't just that you liked the feeling of doing that. You liked the end result of it as well. Yeah, something. Yes, yeah. exactly. So all my thinking and efforting and was getting me nowhere. Yeah. And then when I let something else lead the way. Yeah. It, it all fell into place and so in those paintings I didn't think they were ugly and I didn't that's they're not the paintings I'm talking about you know I liked the visual result but there are some things I make where I I I have thought at the time yeah that's that's too much that's that's usually the thought that goes through my head yeah it's it that's too much you have to get that you have to corral that under some kind of control and often when I look back, say a year later at a photographer, I think, oh, I wish I hadn't corralled that under control. I like that. But it's the kind of painting, and Sally Ann said this about her work when we talked, it's the kind of painting that I might, I know I would put out into the world and plenty of people would say, my five-year-old could have done that and um, it's really rough and ready and it's unresolved and you haven't, you know, did you learn nothing about painting? That kind of painting. And she said that she's had to battle with that a lot. But the way that she come, came to terms with it is, is to just push it away completely. So she's able to push those thoughts away yes. while she's working. Yeah. Which is, you know, challenging. It is. And it's that's the perpetual battle that we have as artists, isn't it? But I, I, I suppose... You know, because there's all sorts of ways of looking at a painting and judging a painting, some of which are important and necessary. I think if you're at a stage where you want to learn and you have got ideas about things that you want to um, improve so that these kind of decisions actually become a little bit less arduous and more intuitive, there are things you need to learn in order to be able to do that. And that's when things become more instinctive and then you can let free a little bit and also be happier with the end result. So it's a quite, and it's a long stage, you know, it's quite, that's quite a long stage of learning. And I think it's important. And I, I suppose I'm looking at some of the, these, these comments here about, um, intuitive painting so um some people it is just throwing paint around um that's being creative and expressive not intuitive it's easy to hide behind this phrase when a picture has no intent um yeah it's fun for the artist but I end up seeing it as decor without having a voice a passion I'm just chipping through little bits here because I think that these are really interesting thought you know they're people working out their response to it um somebody else says I personally don't feel that it matters if the artist can draw if the style of art doesn't involve drawing if the art is interesting or makes you feel something that's what's important you know many paintings artists like Rothko for example of which I'm a big fan there's no drawing involved and then they're talking about this soul journey voice thing I think where people maybe get get um uncomfortable about this is where people have started making work they make it intuitively so they call it intuitive painting 
without maybe understanding some of these fundamental parts of painting. And then they say, I'm calling it an intuitive painting. It's done. Maybe it's one of these things where people want you to see, and that's how we all are as humans. We want people to kind of prove their credentials. We want to see that you can do it before you mess it up. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's a really important thing. And I think very often what happens with art at school is that we 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 get taught how to do things properly. And I think often that's the stage that people stop making art. Yeah. It comes out of the curriculum. So you've stopped making art at a stage where you've been doing kind of precise drawing and things. And as adults, actually what we want back is some of that emotional release, some of that response, some of that expression. So it's also a really important part to encourage people to do again when they're coming back into making art. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, that's how I structure my course that I do once a year. I think it's so important to get people to first feel free mm. to be completely intuitive. And when they've just, like you say, got over the blocks of, yeah, but it's not a nice painting. Who cares? Just do something. It doesn't have mm. to be a nice painting. Then when you've got that confidence in yourself to put paint down, then to start introducing some ideas that can help you make a better painting. But usually art's taught the other way around. It's taught composition and color. And then you get so bogged down in trying to get it right that you lose the ability to express yourself. Yeah. But I did find when I was first going to interview Sally Ann, I went and did research on intuitive painting. And I was looking for some videos on YouTube that I could share with the group to say, this is what it is. And just as you say, it's mostly... I'm going to get hammered now, but people who can't be bothered to learn how to paint. So because I can't be bothered to learn how to paint, I'm going to call it intuitive painting and I'm going to start teaching other people how to do it. Now, I think that's very different from, say, Stuart. I'm, I'm going to look this up. Hang on, because I want to get his name right. Is it Stuart Cubby? Um, yeah, Stuart Cubley. OK. I think that's very different from Stuart Cubley, who I mentioned before, who teaches pit process painting, because he's not teaching about making paintings to sell to anyone, to exhibit yeah. to anyone. He's teaching about self-development and self-transformation through self-expression, which is completely valid, I think, and a completely different thing. That sounds to me a little bit more like art. Uh, therapy might be yeah it, it's like yes and art is therapy let's although face it. yeah although yeah suppose I think about therapy as maybe you you're an addict or you've got a big mental health problem that you're working through so it's more like reading self-help books or um it's about going deeper into yourself to find out who you really are because what I see in my find your joy course is when people start throwing paint around as we say nobody throws paint around in the same way yeah, everyone yeah. has their own style and their own voice starts coming out instantly and some are very careful with it and some are very free and some are you know muted colors and some are bright and it's so exciting to see just like when we speak or when we sing or when we dance we all do it in different ways so I think of it like maybe like a free dance class you know where you just dance however you want and everyone has a good time I think that's what process painting might be 
whereas the intuitive painting you see on you find on YouTube is just I'm just putting things down and calling it a painting and that just does my head in because you can't do that yeah so it goes back to just this idea of choosing your own path doesn't it if this is something that you I mean I think ultimately when you make art you do it a certain way and you're either happy with it and enjoying it or not and that leads you into what you want to experiment with or learn next there's never a uh an end point I think with the art that we make um And I think that there are different stages where I certainly think that intuition and working intuitively is an essential part of the process. How much of it is the process? It's up to you to decide, isn't it? That's your job as an artist, really. Yeah, and I think so much of that goes back to personality. It goes back to um, how much of a role does intuition play in your life anyway? How seriously do you take it how thoughtful and analytical are you by nature like who we are as people has to come out in our art and so I think it's like you said it's a spectrum isn't it unless we're talking about pure intuitive painting which is something you do for yourself and has nothing to do with anybody else yeah sorry there's a lovely little thing here that I just want to finish on that that somebody said in this thread uh, which is intuition is an interesting word if you break it apart it is intuition so as in tuition as in learning about something I call myself an intuitive painter because I learned so much from working spontaneously going with the flow being in the moment letting go of thought and intention allows so much more to come through in my work I find myself in conversation with the work especially when something representational appears you see that's really interesting because when something representational appears for me is something I'm often trying to avoid (laughs) So, you know, it's 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 unique. Everybody has a different understanding of this. I love Um, that person's description. I wish I'd said that. Can we just start again and I'll say all that? (laughs) I I think it's lovely. It's it's a really um, it's a it's a good, good thread of conversation. So um, and lovely to have this space to discuss all of these things. So, yeah, do a bit of digging. Is that in a group where people can read this conversation? or is it, it is actually. Sorry, I should talk about this. It's in the Art Explorers group, which is my free Facebook group, which um, in the process of simplifying things this year is something I'm thinking of getting rid of. <laughs> so go now and read this conversation well, if you want and to then, find then it. Then there are threads like this and conversations like this that happen within it. And I think, why would I do that? But um, that's only because I feel guilty that I don't do a huge amount in there. But I think it is um, it's a helpful touch point for people. Um, so, yeah, you can find it in there. And it, it's a really, really interesting thread. And, um, you know, yes, maybe work looks unresolved to you but it might not to the next person and what is beautiful to one is uh, not beautiful to another that's that's the joy of making art okay so what has inspired you this week well this is a book we keep coming back to because you've recommended it several times but I've been reading it over the Christmas holiday and it's called essentialism by Greg McEwen. Um, and people will think we're on his payroll or something because we keep bringing it up. But I, I've i just about finished it now. And it's a fascinating book all about simplifying. And the reason what it's helped me to realize is 
there's a lot of things on my list of things to do that would be really nice to do, mm-hmm. but they're not essential to my central goals and what I want to achieve. For example, I was going to move my emails from MailChimp to somewhere else, um, partly to get a little bit more functionality, partly to save a little bit of money. Ah, I'm not doing that. That's nonsense. They, they work perfectly fine where they are. I'm just going to leave them because what he talks about is, is kind of focusing in and narrowing down to what really matters to you and then making the time for that. So that could be anything from spending time with children to, yeah. you know, building a giant business. It doesn't matter what it is. It's what, what's important to you and defining. And I do have a very clear sense of what, what I want to do with my remaining time here on earth. And when I let myself get pulled off on these projects, then I'm not doing that. And so I'm going now through my to-do list of things I'd like to do, like to do and saying, yeah, not necessary, not necessary. Yes. That one I'll spend time on that. I'll put some more time into Um, I'm just it's a really really good book so I Mm -hmm. promise you everybody we're not getting royalties or anything but uh, that's what's inspired me this week yeah it's a great book uh minor books as well because um I took a sack of books away with me on a holiday real books not kindle books because I can't find my kindle and it's not charged and (laughs) I can't you know and also you know, when I read books on Kindle, I forget what they are because I don't, I'm not seeing a cover. It's my one pet hate with a Kindle. When I'm reading a book, show me the cover when it's in resting mode, you know, <laughs> otherwise I forget what I've read. Whereas these books, I know what they are. I can tell you what they are because I've seen the cover every time I've picked it up. So um, one of them was not that great. It was a bit of a holiday read. It was a Sunday Times bestseller, but it was not that great. It's called The Couple at Number Nine wouldn't recommend that um but I started off by reading Midnight Library by Matt Haig which is have you read that yeah I have yeah lovely book really kind of uh easy read but also kind of quite nicely written um really enjoyed that um read another one set in Nigeria that was a bit of a fun read that my daughter wanted called My Sister the Serial Killer which again was also it was long listed for the Booker Prize it was fun it was kind of interesting, not radically, you know, anything, but it was still nice to read. And then I'm currently reading Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, which was actually recommended to me by Ali Barrett, the artist, last time we met up. And I'm thoroughly enjoying that. It's one of those books that you really have to slow down to enjoy every word and where the story is taking me and I can already feel I'm about halfway through it that it's going to be one of those books that when it ends I'm going to be a little bit sad that I finished it and that's quite a nice feeling yeah those are the best books yeah so back to reading um have really really enjoyed that so that's going to be something that sticks around so that's it that's what's inspired so that's it from us then this week we will see you next week hope you have a very Happy, enjoyable time back in the studio or whatever you're working on right now. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.